You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hey everyone, oh my, my camera's out a little bit there. Thanks for joining me on another podcast episode. This is going to be a shorter one than usual for a few reasons. Firstly, I'm a little bit exhausted, mainly because I was at a convention this weekend, which was stopped short. So, it, you know, it wasn't as long as I thought, but obviously it still knackers you after a couple of days. But I'll get onto that in a bit more detail as to why it was cut short. I'm also prepping the house and all sorts of stuff and myself for my gastroscopy procedure on Tuesday. This is Sunday, the uh, first, well, 3rd of October, as I record this. And so in a couple of days, I got to go in for a gastroscopy uh, procedure, which is nothing major. It's just a routine check. But basically, it's when they stick the camera down your throat to check your digestive tract uh, and your throat, basically. And the idea is, is that hopefully that will give the specialist some kind of idea as to why, hopefully, my system keeps giving me acid reflux issues worse than it ever has done before. I mean, I've already kind of figured it out. It's called stress. It's called the stress of work plus the stress of the blogging app. But, you know, maybe there's something else down there or maybe it's just a case of, right, well, now you've gone and checked my system. Can you now put me on some pills to reduce my acid level down or something? You know, just something like that. But I got to have that done on Tuesday, which means I've had to you know, self-isolate today, I've got to self-isolate tomorrow, and then on Tuesday, my parents have got to take me to the actual hospital, I've got to be in there for about half a day, probably, because they can't guarantee when I'll actually be seen, i got to be sedated, which is basically the equivalent of having a roofie, which is not something I fancy the idea of, but then again, the idea of having a tube sunk down my throat is not exactly much better either, but as I say, I'm going to be out of action for Tuesday, and possibly even for a part of Wednesday, according to my boss, who also had similar issues, so you know, it's uh, something I gotta look forward to, I guess. And of course, I'm prepping for Essen, which is gonna be the following week, so I'll be going there from Tuesday all the way to Sunday, so that's a big trip I got a plan for. And yeah, just basically a lot is happening right now. Oh yeah, and the top 100, did I mention that? You know, I've got to record the next segment of the top 100 today, as well as the Descent review. I need to get that uh, done. And I probably have a Blitz compilation review to do at some point for some games, or maybe just a singular one, because I know I've got a Settlement over there, which I'll give you some basic thoughts on uh, soon this episode. And I think there's one or two other things I need to review oh yes of course i need to get played um circadian's uh, first order or circadian's world order chaos order i think it was called and uh, new games being sh shipped to me from uh, garpil games very really thanks to that and empress 4 have sent me copies of uh hanamakoji with the expansions so little tiny expansions that you can throw into the game it's like oh i'm interested to try those as well as their new two-player game geisha's road which is basically based off the same system so cannot wait to try that one especially especially if it's taking hanamakoji and adding bits to it that i'm excited for so yeah quite a lot happening so Main way this is going to be a shorter episode is that there's just going to be no topic of the day. So we'll I'll talk about well how I've been as I'm doing now, some games I've played, a fairly extensive look at June, which is the game I played over the weekend, 
Uh, I've got a shout out for a channel that I discovered recently that I'd like to do. And of course, some other games that I've played. And I'll mention what why the con got cut short. But oh, and a couple of bits of news. So, you know, standard stuff, but just no topic of the day to take up the next half hour of the show, you know. So this will be a shorter one. But to make up for that, the next episode, even though it's going to be delayed a couple of days because I won't be able to be recording it on the Sunday because I'll still be coming home from Germany, I will be doing a podcast episode to basically just talk about nothing but my experience at Essen. So, you know, that will be a special episode. It will be a bit later than normal Sunday that I put them out, so bear with me. Uh, but it will hopefully be worth the wait. So that's just to make up for the short episode today. But yeah, generally, channel, pretty good. The subs are climbing, things are good. You know, the compilation review was uh, taken well. Um, I was a bit afraid about that because the problem is compilation reviews don't always sit well with publishers and it's very difficult to do compilation reviews on BGG because you can only put one video, you can only put a video up once. So I have to choose where it goes on Board Game Geek and I can't put it under all the other games, which is a bit of a pain unless I try and do a split of all of them and kind of piecemeal it onto Board Game Geek, but then it's just like amateurish. So that's the problem with them, but it's getting some views. So it's doing okay. And as I say, it allows me to catch up with games. So it's not that all my Blitz reviews are going to be done in a compilation style. It's just when I get overrun, they'll appear. So it's just a case of as and when really. Uh, but the top 100 is still continuing. 60 to 51 uh, was uh, last week. 70 to 61 was a couple of weeks ago. And 50 to 41 I released on September 30th, so only a few days ago. I need to record uh, 40 to 31 today so I can get editing that. Uh, like I say, slowly but surely we're getting there to the very top. So the views are still good for it. Thank you very much for tuning into those. And... Also, if you want to check out a live collaboration I did, yes, I will be bringing those back because I just was very busy. But, I mean, I'm staggered by the Paul Grogan one we did. I cannot believe how well that's done. Nearly 15,000 views. That is insane for a video on my channel. That is ridiculous for a live stream on my channel, especially one that was two hours and 40 minutes. It was a huge one, but, I mean, I can only put it down to Paul Grogan. Has to be. You know, I would have probably got a thousand if I was just there, but you know, Paul's there and it pulls me in another 13,000 views, I think. But, uh, you know, love the guy. I'll see him at uh, Essen. He's got a gathering on the Thursday evening I'll be going to uh, around the Fitzpatrick, I think it is, a Fitzpatrick pub in Essen. So I'll be at that. And I got to drive him home. That'll be interesting. But, uh, <laughs> well, not to Devon, thankfully, but at least to uh, back to the Britain. So, you know, hopefully he's a good passenger in a car. But yeah, that was a really good fun list. I can't wait for us to do more. But uh, the main one I did recently was uh, Top 10 Games That Warrant App Assistance from Mackenzie Franklin from Side Game uh, Co. LLC. You know, you want to know the watch mojo of board gaming. It's basically him because he puts out so many top 10 lists. It's ridiculous. I mean, I wish I could put out that many. But that was a good fun stream to do. It was his idea two hours on. As I say, none of the live streams are going to be short. They're all going to be long. But yeah, I'm trying to get these done. Uh, I want to bring in some people like, you know, the Nerd Shelves and uh, Board Game Perspective and a few other people like that back to the table. You know, um, Boardroom Gamer and Billy Indiana would be certainly up for it. But I think the next one I do will probably be Chairman of the Board. Uh, Chairman of the Board uh, does some stuff along with Mackenzie Franklin, actually. And I have seen some of his stuff. Uh, Mackenzie recommended him as well. And let me see if I can... Uh, chair of the board let's see if i can show it on screen 
But basically, he does his own YouTube channel. So two, I mean, all right, we're getting two shout outs today, I guess. But he does his own uh, channel, 2.37k subscribers and various reviews, uh, various games ranked, a few top 10 lists, you know, kind of what you expect to see on uh, the, you know, on YouTube. But he's a very nice guy and he wants to do a top 10 list with me on the collaboration live stream. So we'll do something like that. Don't know the topic just yet, although he's got a couple of interesting ideas. One of them was games that aged well, which, in fact, let, let me put it to you guys. What do you want me to do, actually? Um, games that aged well, which is where we need to look at games at least over 15 years old and see if they stand the test of time. Yeah, that's usually useful for something. I mean, in fact, when I was doing the uh, shelf by shelf one, that was something I used to talk about. Uh, but with this one, it's kind of like, hmm, well, how would you say it's aged well? For me... I would have to be very strict and say it was kind of like not just a game that I play now. It's got to be a game that hasn't been reiterated now. So, for example, Cosmic Encounter came out in the 70s, right? And you still play it today. So you'd think that's aged well, right? Hmm, it has been reprinted and re-implemented and redone about five or six times, though. And I have the Fantasy Flight version. I wouldn't dream of playing the 70s version. So I don't say that's aged well, but for example, uh, uh, Pillars of the Earth, Pillars of the Earth, uh, somewhere over there, I think, is a very good Euro game, very good light Euro game, it has a mechanic that hasn't been replicated, which is crime, a uh, crime, frankly, but that hasn't been re-implemented, been reprinted for stock, but it hasn't been changed, you know, bar maybe minor tweaks, I'm not even sure if anything's been tweaked in it, but that game has stayed as it was since it was first created, and I would still happily play it now, and it's still on my shelf. That's an example of a game that's aged well, and, you know, maybe it's a case that it's had, well, in some cases, expansions would apply, but in Pillars of the Earth case, no. So that's one we're thinking of doing. Uh, the other idea he had was uh, versatile games, which is a kind of a case of saying that if your game can cater for multiple player accounts, multiple types of gamer, like, you know, light gamers, heavy gamers, and has a, like, a sort of multitude of mechanics, that kind of thing, you know, is it versatile in that way? I'm a little bit hesitant about that one, because I'm curious as to how you would really describe something as versatile, not to mention what games could actually be described as versatile. I mean, are there that many games that a light gamer as well as a heavy gamer would play? Hard to say, but it's a possibility. That one I just think will be a bit more tricky. But what do you lot think? Let me know in the comments. What do you want to see? Games that aged well or versatile games? It's probably going to be one of those two. I need to go back to him with an, an answer as to which one we'll do. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see what you would like to see as well. Uh, so with that said and done, let's move on relatively quickly to the actual shout out I was doing this uh <laughs> Um, episode, you know, not to say that I didn't want to shout out chairman of the board as well, but uh, this was the channel that I was talking about earlier. Games Made Easy. This is from a lovely lady called, uh, I believe they're pronounced uh, Lavinia, I hope that's uh, uh, correct, and their cat Peter. <laughs> I mean, Peter just basically appears in the like bit there. So if you're looking at the YouTube version of this podcast, then you can see cute little Peter, little white kitty cat. Oh, he's so cute, little kitty cat. Oh, I love my, I love cats, but as you well know. But games made easy. Living here now. This is a tutorial channel, so there's no reviews, there's no top tens. It is basically learn how to play. 
And the reason I bring this one up is because when I was figuring out how to play Dune before I went to play it, uh, look, this channel was the one that I went to first. I just basically typed in learn how to play Dune, looked for a small creator, because you know me, I like to check out the small creators first, and this one came up, and there's several uh, game ones on Dune there. Uh, there's also Brass Birmingham, Seven Wonders, Five Tribes, uh, Blood Rage, Merchants and Marauders, various Catans, and there's plenty more besides, although... I think it is a relatively new channel, so there's not, like, years and... Well, I don't know, actually. Nope, my mistake. Uh, oh, no. Oh, there we go. So, it's been around for about a year. Uh, so, 3,700 subscribers is not bad for a year. And you've got, let's see, Azul, Carcassonne, Betrayal on House on the Hill, Ticket to Ride, uh, More Catan, Seven Wonders Duel, Terraforming Mars, Wingspan, Terra Mystica, Ooh, Dixit, Lords of Waterdeep, Tapestry, Scoundrels of Skullport, uh, Splendor, Viticulture... Pandemics. Um, I think that's a specific... Oh, no, that's normal pandemic. Uh, what else we got? And then there's her Welcome to Games Made Easy. So, you know, going up in the world here. But it's, she's very nice. She's very clear. You know, I was able to learn the rules for June in that from this. So I can tell you firsthand that the channel works. But here's the unique selling point here. Because you might think, well, it's just another tutorial channel. And it's like, well, come on. I mean, so's Watch It Played. You know, you know, there are other tutorial channels out there. You know, support small creators, hashtag. But... The interesting one with this is that you might have noticed that one of them is written in Spanish. That's because Lavinia actually specifically does two versions of every video she does. She does one of how to play in the English and one in Spanish. So we got learn how to play Seven Wonders better and faster. And then we've got you know, Como Juga Seven Wonders Seven Maravillas Major. Me Why am I even trying to read Spanish? I can't speak Spanish, but you get what I mean. Basically, if you are a Spanish speaker and English is not your first language, then you can check out this channel, Games Made Easy, and get certain tutorials done in Spanish. And to be fair, some people would like me to be able to do multiple languages. Sadly, I can barely speak English, let alone any other language. I was I was decent at German at GCSE, but. GCSE was a long, long time ago. God, I feel old. And yeah, I would certainly say give this channel a look. She's very nice. Peter the cat is adorable when he's on screen. And, you know, these videos are good. They're covering a wide range of games, you know, light, medium and heavy. And, you know, very friendly. And I like that unique selling point of being able to do videos in Spanish as well as English. I think uh, not a lot of people can do that. But if they can, I encourage them to try it, really. So, uh, by all means, give her a look. Hashtag support small creators for games made easy. Right. So, uh, quickly before I go on to what I played, I mentioned about my con getting stuck short. Well... This time of year, and I think in March as well, uh, there is a convention in Southampton. There's a local con. You just go there and play games. Not high turnout. It's just nice and local. Called, I feel ashamed to say this, Shake, Battle, and Roll. It used to be called StabCon because it was related to another convention. It was called StabCon South. It was related to another uh, convention called StabCon, which I think was further up north or something. It, despite the fact it had no relation to it. I don't know. It's weird, the naming with it. And they decided to change the name, and they made it Shake, Battle, and Roll. I think it's a god-awful name, but that's just me. But who cares about the name of a convention? The good thing is that you go there and you have fun playing games, which we do. And because it's in Southampton, which is only up the road from me, I can see a lot of my friends there, and we basically get to play a lot of long games, June included. In fact, two of the games I'm talking about on this episode are games I played over this con. But it got cut short, and at no fault of the organisers. The organisers did a great job, and they cared about the people that were there, and they cancelled the con, along with the hotel, basically, to get people out to safety. 
Safety? What do you mean by safe? Uh, well, um, this is what I mean by safe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> basically, if you can't see this on screen because you're listening to this, basically the place practically flooded. And I mean flooded. This is a shot of essentially one of many corridors that was just dripping water from the ceiling. This is showing water dripping from all the electric lights into canisters that are like pretty much overflowing. The toilets had uh, water coming through the ceiling with towels underneath. Uh, there was other corridors where you know you could tell that the thing was sagging. It stunk of mildew and mold. The, the hotel was basically disintegrating around us. And I know that we've had a lot of rain in the UK lately, but it's not like we haven't had rain before. So clearly this has been some ongoing issue with the construction of the building for a leak to have occurred in this in intensity. Well, the corridor you're looking at here, it was either this corridor or another corridor, collapsed 10 minutes after this video was taken. So it, it was definitely, somebody had a video with 10 minutes after, and I know that timing's right, and to be there, I saw the aftermath of it. but. Yeah, roofs collapsed internally inside the building. So the convention had to be cancelled because it was basically leaking everywhere where the convention was. Don't worry, no games were harmed in the making of this convention. And, you know, board game extras were able to get their stock out. The Bring and Buy was unharmed. You know, nobody lost anything due to the water damage. But man, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. I've never seen a leak that bad. It was just like, you might as well, the building might as well have had no roof. <laughs> the, the rain outside was torrential. Some of the heaviest rainfall we've had in the world, but wow, something was going on at that Hilton Hotel for, uh, it was the Hilton Doubletree, Doubletree Hotel at Hilton near Southampton, I think it was, and oh, blimey, yeah, I mean, would you be, I feel sorry for anybody who came specifically for this convention and had to, you know, make other plans or go to, you know, well, I mean, board in the city put up people free of charge for those who had to leave this convention, which was very nice of them. But, cool, blimey, could you imagine coming down and having to leave early because of this? I mean, it's not like the convention in the hotel can prepare for acts of God effectively. But, whew, this was some crazy leak. I've never seen anything quite so bad like that in my life. But, yeah, it got cut short. So, the reason I'm not at the convention today is because it got cancelled. So, hung around with some mates. We finished playing June in a hotel room on a bed. And that's joking here. Six of us in a little hotel room on a bed, finishing the last round and a half of Dune. And uh, then we sat in the lobby. They got some tables out for a few of us to hang around and play some games. We stayed till about midnight. I went home, went to sleep, and I figured, well, I get today to do what I like. And I basically, as I say, been trying to catch up. So, you know, the house is cleaned, got me food, supplies for this week when I'm not going to be able to go out, you know, preparation for the parents, the gastroscopy and all that. So I'm trying to get my stuff together, really. And that includes recording this as well as the other videos and going to the gym and cooking myself dinner and playing Stellaris later. Yeah, you can tell I've got a bit of a full life. I really wish I had like a an intern to do half my editing or something. But... I digress. So yeah, that's just a weird story with that one. Uh, so let's move on to some, let's go on to some news then. I don't want to finish the podcast on news. I'm doing everything in a bit of a jumbled up order this time. So uh, keeping it fresh. I'm sorry I didn't talk about this last week, um, <laughs> the last podcast, because I cannot believe I forgot about this. When I was doing the Fantasy Flight in-flight report for uh, uh, all the stuff they were doing, like the LCGs and other expansions, I forgot to talk about probably the biggest expansion on the list, which was Star Wars Outer Rim, Unfinished Business. Finally, this wretched game is getting a stupid expansion. 
It's been on my shelf unplayed for a while because the lack of variety in those decks is hurting it. You know, it has fallen down my top 100 for that reason, and it's in danger of falling off. But with this expansion, it could come back into a nice stable position. So hopefully this will get done soon. I mean, it's, uh, what's it quoting on Board Game Geek? Uh, 2022? Yeah, 2022. Who knows when in 2022? I'll bet you it's probably halfway through the year at least, but then they've released next to no details on it. We don't know what it's adding. We don't know if it's uh, themed around anything like Mandalorian or anything, or if it's just more cards. It's a big box by the looks of it, so I hope it's going to include a lot more cards, and they better... I don't mean just a few cards per deck. No, you better be tripling the size of those decks. You know, put some effort in. But yeah, finally, unfinished business. Which seems a little bit on the nose, if you catch my drift. <laughs> I feel that they maybe should have thought twice about that name, unless they're deliberately insulting themselves. But uh, yeah, that just seems a little too on the nose there. Unfinished business. But hey, it's coming. Finally. <laughs> And then the second bit of news, which I only just found out about yesterday, actually, which is something I'm I'm excited for, but I'm a little bit... Uh, I'm going to hold my feelings back because this might not be my type of game I play, but I play a game on the PC called Deep Rock Galactic. I have sunk colossal amount of hours into it, triple-digit hours, several hundred, into this game, Deep Rock Galactic. It is a great, fun PC game. Uh, team-based co-op where you as dwarfs and a mining corporation dive into these asteroids with procedurally generated levels to mine minerals and shoot up a ton of spiders that are in there coming at you. Now, yes, I'm arachnophobic, but these spiders look very different from a typical spider. They look quite cartoony in some areas, and it's like, yeah, they're not particularly uh, threatening. Well, they're threatening, but they're not, like, scary spiders, except for one. <laughs> the Shrieker, or whatever it's called. The, uh, it's it's one of these, it's like a giant spider daddy long legs thing, or something that f screeches, comes out of the dark with its arms, like, outstretched, and basically grabs you, and lifts you up, and basically drops you from great heights. It's scary when you hear the shriek. It is absolute bed-wetting heart attack inducing when you turn around, and it's in your face. So it's like, where is it? <laughs> it comes out and it's like, ah, I have had heart attacks aplenty from it. But fantastic game. I still play it to this day. It's only on in-game content, but basically every week a new deep, a new elite deep dive comes out and I play the elite deep dive. I put it down, pick it up again. It's one of those that I'm very good at. If I don't mind saying so myself, I think I'm pretty good at the game. But it allows me to basically just pick up and play a good, fun, cooperative shooter. So the fact that it's getting a board game is, whoa, okay, a one to four player co-op board game based on the Deep Rock Galactic universe. So, you know, it's shadowed as to what's here, but I'm guessing there's going to be like big chunky miniatures. I mean, this is going to be on Kickstarter, so you know it's going to have miniatures, but you're going to have miniatures for the dwarfs, so there's four classes, you're going to have all the different spider miniatures, so maybe those will freak me out a bit more on the arachnophobic front than uh, normal, but... Oh, cool. Yes, I am very interested in this. Now, will it be good? I don't know. I mean, IPs get used a lot and they don't always turn out for the better. But the thing that does make me feel a little bit better about this is essentially back in November 2020, I received an email from our good friends at Mood Publishing about collaborating on a board game project. And I quickly replied, yes. It got even better when we convinced our friend and professional board game designer, um, Ole Steinness, I think is uh, how it's pronounced, to join in. Now, if you don't know that name, I'm not surprised, because he only has several board games under his net belt, 
and I don't know how many of them are well known, but one of them is well known because it's Champions of Midgard. Yes, he did Champions of Midgard, one of the top 100 games at the moment and very popular with a lot of players. So if that designer is working on this game, this could be pretty good fun. Hopefully not too complicated in that. In fact, what else has he done, actually? I'm very curious. So here we go. Computer game designer by day, board game designer by night. That explains how he's uh, uh, linked to the Deep Rock Galactic crew. So what did we did? He did Champions of Midgard. Oh, he did Priest Precinct. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Spurs, A Tale in Your West. We've got here more Champions of Midgard, Champions of Midgard, Champions of Midgard. God, everything's about Champions of Midgard. Into the Fire. Uh, Meeples and Monsters. Uh, lots of Priest Precinct. Spurs, A Tale in Your West. Okay, so not that many games to his name, because most of these are just expansions of the same game. And I never played Police Precinct, so we'll see. Uh, he also had some um, ideas for the pan Pandemic on the Brink expansion. So most of the time, though, he does video games. So things like Kane and Lynch, uh, Total Overdose, and Game Globe and stuff, and lots of uh, um, educational games. So I'm going to hold my expectations back a bit, but the idea of one of my favorite shoot-em-ups becoming a board game is still something I'm uh, quite excited about, so I will definitely be interested to find out more on this as it goes through the motions. Right, let's talk about games I played. I'm just going to talk about three. Two very briefly and one in a bit more detail. Firstly, Settlement. I don't want to talk about this one in too much detail because I'm actually doing a review on this one. But basically, this is done by... Oh, God blimey, i got to remember the name. Uh, Alexander Nev... Nevsky, oh, I'm really butchering names today. I do apologize. <laughs> like I say, I can barely speak my own language. But Settlement is a new game from him and I Games. And if you don't know those two names, well, this is the same man who did Mysterium, uh, Detective Club, and you know, Mysterium Park and stuff. It's like, ooh, hello, a couple of my favorite party games. And the company has also, I think, reprinted, I think they reprinted, no, they didn't reprint uh, Small Islands, that's Lucky Duck Games, Um, but let's say they did Detective Club and a couple of others, so, you know, this is an up-and-coming publisher and designer. Well, Settlement is basically a very lightweight engine builder Euro game, so you are, well, funny enough, building a settlement, and it's very well produced, gotta give it credit, it's probably overproduced for what it is, but essentially, it's a very bog-standard Euro game. You are collecting resources to build little city buildings that get you to do various things. You can explore regions, which is basically just flip a tile and see what it gives you. It might give you a monster that you can go and kill off. You uh, recruit heroes, which are basically victory points. You know, it's a f and you use meeples as a resource. It's pretty generic, with the exception of some artifact tiles that you pick from at the sort of start of each round. And as players pass, they put them back and you can take another one. So it's almost like the bonus tiles you get in Terra Mystica and Gaia Project, but it's well produced, it is super simple, the rules are dead easy to learn, the rule book is just fine, it's very well produced, in fact overproduced I would say, and it looks very pretty in that on the board as you can see from some of these pictures. My issue with it though is that as good as those aspects are, it doesn't have a huge amount of depth. This is definitely a lightweight game, and granted, Maybe we do need a lightweight game in this genre of building a little settlement, get resources and trade them in for stuff. You know, we don't, most of the times these tend to be fraught games with a ton of rules and too much complexity. This does not have that problem. I mean, this is dirt simple. 
The artifacts I wish were a bit more interesting, but the idea that you can have different artifacts each round, which give you bonuses at different things, is quite interesting. The solo mode is in this is basically the multiplayer game, except with a one minor tweak. And that is another flaw of the game. It is 100% multiplayer solitaire, other than the taking of the artifact tiles. Whoop-dee-doo. So you're basically playing a mini little engine builder game yourself. Hmm. So having four players is pointless. <laughs> you know, in fact, having any players at all is pointless because the solo game is such a minor tweak of the multiplayer rules. Why would you have multiplayer? It makes no sense. You know, there's not enough, there's no interaction in this game. So it's it's got a lot of pluses, but I'm worried that in six months' time this is not going to be talked about a lot because there's just not a lot of depth to it. I mean, you collect the resources, you put them on stuff, and you trade the resources in for heroes and get points. In the end, I mean, it's mainly just which artifact you fancy and which buildings you get. So it's got some variety. It's got some, you know, de half decent choices, but it is meant to be a lightweight game. So I can't be too hard on it. Maybe I'm just getting off uh, lightweight games. I do think that medium weight games are my sweet spot. But yeah, the, there's certainly room for this in the market. You know, a lightweight game of this nature. I'm just worried that it's kind of kind of slipped by. And nobody's really going to talk about it. Although Rado talks about it pretty. Uh, you know, in high positivity, although he does put a lot of emphasis on how much he loves those artifact tiles. In fact, I think he puts a bit too much emphasis on those artifact tiles, frankly. It's like, okay, they're nice, but I don't think you should be going kid in a candy store, goo goo gaga over the things. I don't know, it's, as I say, different strokes, different folks. But, you know, it's got some pluses, it's got some minuses. I'll give it a proper review soon. Alrighty. Uh, moving on to XCOM, the board game. Uh, this was on my top 100. I mentioned it hadn't been played for a while. Well, thankfully, a good friend of mine put that to rest as we played a couple of games on Friday night as part of the uh, Shape Battle and Roll convention. And I just wanted to say it's as enjoyable as I remember it. Yes, this is a wonderfully thematic uh, cooperative game. It's got a lot of dice rolling and luck in it. Yes, okay, but it's such it's such a good one to have. Like you're on the back foot of these aliens that are coming down to invade Earth, and you've got to deal with the UFOs in space around the continents. You've got to go on missions uh, with your soldiers. You've got to defend the base from getting attacked. You've got to stop all the continents from panicking so that you've got your income each round to buy more stuff. It's ah, oh, it's such a good cool game. And when you've got four of you. Working together, of which we had one new player and three of us that were more familiar. Um, although I did need to go back. I think we had a tutorial just to get us back up on scratch with the rules. And then once we cleared that one pretty easily, we went, right, let's go on to a decent hard difficulty. And we just won it. Like, just won it. But it, oh, it feels good. I think I played the scientist both times. Uh, the new guy played the commander. So, thankfully, he was uh, the only accountant in the group. No, sorry, the only non-accountant in the group was the commander. <laughs> That's different, but he did all right with the budgeting. He never messed up once. So, you know, fair play to him. But I like being the scientist because you get to do all these card shenanigans with using the workshop to discard them for one-shot uses, using other cards to flip them back onto your deck, deciding, well, what do I want to research? How many scientists? You know, can I get some salvage from the from the squad leader? Great. When shall I use it? Uh, when shall I burn through cards in my hand if these are texts I don't want to build? What should I build first, given on the situation? I like being the scientist, even though it's, like I say, it's, it, it's kind of, well... All the jobs are a crutch holder. I mean, if the scientist doesn't get you cool stuff, you're going to lose. But if the mission leader doesn't succeed in the missions, you're going to lose. If the commander doesn't solve the, choose the right crises or get the budget right, you won't have any money and you'll lose. 
And if the central officer doesn't defend the space, your app will go all up the spout and you'll lose. So it's it's one of those deals. But yeah, we had good fun. It was good to get back into the theme of this. You know, yes, there's a lot of dice rolling, but I just, it really captures the XCOM game so well, even though it has to be slightly abstracted on the basis that this is more about the planning side, like the global um, mission screen side of XCOM, as opposed to the actual uh, going into the missions and shooting up aliens, which I know some people wanted and didn't get from this, but I don't care. I enjoy this one, and I've got the expansion in my copy, although we didn't use an expansion in this case. Yeah, the Exalt One Evolution, I think it was called. But yeah, I like this game. Really good fun. Nice to get back into the shoes of this one, and it makes me want to play it again with the expansion in it soon. So, uh, you know, with new players, or should I just play it solo? We'll see. But yeah. This was good fun, and I seem to be a very good scientist, not just because my die rolls were quite lucky, but because I'm very good at building the right stuff. <laughs> You've got to know what to build. You can't just build everything. you got to build specific stuff. Get that alien construction one up and running fast. Don't underestimate alien alloys if you're using the workshop a lot. Certainly do not underestimate Archangel Armor. Oh, man, allowing the, chiefs, allowing the uh, squad leader just to use spare soldiers to give you salvage... Ooh, that is really nice. You know, you cannot underestimate some of this stuff. But yeah, great fun. Really captures the theme. I don't know if it sells much these days, but it's worth picking up because it is one of the first few games, I think, that really delved into apps being a part of a game. And trust me, this is still a great app to this day. Ready? Okay, let's wrap up the episode with a talk about June. Not the best rating there. Three. Might bump that up to a four. Yeah, uh, I know nothing about the Dune universe. Dune is alien to me at this point. The only thing I have got is snippets from playing Dune Imperium and what friends have told me. I know the names of some of the factions. I know a little bit about how each one works. I know there's big sandworms. I know that spices everything. And that's about it. Yeah, I really don't know a lot about Dune. I'm really banking on the new movie, which I think comes out in the UK, 22nd of October. So I'll watch it when I get back from Essen. Um, I'll try and watch it on the day it comes out, you know, if I can, uh, to clue me in as to what on earth's going on in the Dune universe, because I haven't read the books and I never will. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm going into this one with next to no thematic knowledge. Now, that hurts a little bit, but it wasn't a killer just based on that. However... The problems I have with this game, and that's not to say that this is all bad. There are some positives. I played this with friends. We had great, you know, great company. Always have fun playing with friends, even if the game is bad. I would have hated this game if I was playing it with unknowns. I will never play this game with randoms. It's not going to happen. I also kind of shot myself in the foot by playing probably the most complicated uh, faction in the entire lot, which was the Bene Gesserit, or the Ben Gesserit, I think that's how you pronounce it. Basically, the Sisterhood, the Clairvoyant Sisterhood. And uh, yeah, they weren't the style that I was thinking they were going to be. I wish I'd picked something like Harkonnen or the Fremen, maybe, or perhaps a Spacing Guild, because that could have been quite fun. But, you know, certainly the Bene Gesserit was not great for me. Now, this is a big, technically a six-player game because nobody wants to play it with less than six players where you're fighting over, it's dudes on the map, you're fighting over various territories, trying to collect the spices income, bidding on cards which have like various like weapons and defenses in them and other special effects, and it's a very political style game. So you are having discussions with players in secret, you are 
you know, making alliances, you're breaking alliances, there, you know, you can win as a shared victory, but that's only if you're in an alliance, so there's definitely a lot of negotiation and a lot of planning in this one, and that's all good. It certainly does capture the theme of Dune well, even though I don't have much knowledge of it, it certainly is fraught with a lot of that negotiation and party political stuff, so if that's your thing, you're going to get something from here, but here are some issues, and so, and the Oh, that's kind of on with some good points. Um, it does have some good story highlights in it. I mean, uh, we blew up the shield wall in in great fashion. Um, the Lasgun shield combo, which basically nukes an entire area. We nuked three of the strongholds with that. I got to we called it the Ruffle Bang, <laughs> which was unexpected the first time I saw it, and hilarious when it was done two more times in two other strongholds, and when I got to do it as well, which was funny, but. I'm not sure I agree with that rule being in there, but as I say, we'll uh, touch on that in a minute. Uh, you've got all the different factions that play very differently. Not going to lie about that, so that's all well and good. But here's some problems I have with this game. Firstly, this game is too long. Wow. This game took us like, what, six, seven hours plus or something to play? This is huge uh, for length. And granted, I know you could probably shave off a bit of time if you weren't first-time players and stuff like that. But, you know, we learned a bit of the rules in advance. We just had to get a, you know, a, a kind of a an update in a way. But, man, though, this game does not need to be six to seven hours long. It is way too long. And I don't like it when games go on stupid lengths of time, you know, when they don't need to. So that was a bit of a put-off, especially as the Ben Gesserit that I basically just had to sit there and do nothing for about half the game because the whole point of them is that you just slowly drip in as other people ship to the world and you have no money, so you can't buy anything. You don't have any money to ship people onto the planet other means, so you're poor. You also, apparently, I got this rule wrong the entire game, you're supposed to spend money to put people into battle. So all this stuff that costs you money and I can't afford any of it. So I can't do half the stuff in this game, and I'm just supposed to wait there and play the long game. Oh, wow, am I playing a long game? Six hours am I playing a long game here? That is not a good way to design a faction, to make them so, like, underpowered in so many ways until the very end. Now, I almost won, but that was a fluke in itself. I just happened to be in the locations where... Things went complete, like, chaotic, massive fights happened, and then I got to say, I've still got a few people on the planet, right, I'm going to try and go for the win. And I almost won, but too many forces to fight against. I mean, the, the Ben Gesserit just cannot hold a fight. People say, oh, but they've got the best leaders, they're all level 5 and that. Yeah, other people have high-level leaders as well, but they also have more troops, and some of them can boost their troops. So I don't care how good your leader is, your troops are still going to overwhelm you. So I really had a problem with the faction in general. And granted, that's on me. Should have picked an easier faction. But then frankly, I didn't know what faction was easier because I didn't know what any other factions were. You know, give me a break. Hmm, I'm going to down the rest of this coffee. Boy, because it's cold. Right. But, you know, that was one problem. Uh, so really long. Oh, God, this prediction thing. Oh, I hate this stupid prediction thing. One of the apparent advantages of Ben Gesserit is that you get to predict who will win on what turn, and if that happens, you win instead. I'm sorry, what? This is a 10-round game. There are six of you, and you have to somehow predict which person can win on what turn, and somehow orchestrate this. 
that's insane. I'm sorry, but especially when some of them say like, I mean, this one in the picture here says Emperor on turn three. How? I was playing this game. I do not know how anybody is supposed to win this on turn one, two, and three. That's like, I'm sorry, if you're predicting that, you are mad. Absolute mad. So you probably want to go for a high turn. I went for Harkonnen on turn seven. Three turns in, Harkonnen gets Lasgun nuclear explosion on one of his things and takes out most of his troops. Well, there goes my prediction. So that's already done. I'm not going to win this game. We've got another five hours left, have we? Okay, then. Wow, really? It just knocked him out of the game and knocked me out of the game pretty much on that one. Well, from a prediction standpoint. Stupid mechanic. Stupid, stupid mechanic. So what else is a negative? Well... It's got huge bouts of swinginess. Did I mention the lasgun combo that basically just obliterates a stronghold just because somebody shoots a gun into a shield? Seriously, why do they even exist in this universe? I mean, if you have two things and when put together can cause nuclear explosions, shouldn't you, like, decommission one of them? Stat? It doesn't make any sense. But um, maybe the movie will explain more. But then there's also the shield wall. Somebody was able to put, like, the weather machine on, destroy the shield wall, and then suddenly the storm wiped out two strongholds in a butt of an instant and you just can't prep for it you can't defend against it there's a the worm thing that pops up every now and again so spice appears in various locations but when you draw from the deck if the worm comes out and goes on a specific discard pile it moves to that location and eats up everybody there i had six troops in one location i was doing okay went and grabbed some spice next turn worm comes out eats all my troops and i can do nothing about it so you have to play russian roulette with a deck of cards to say, when I go and get spice, I'm going to try and collect it and hope that I just don't get randomly eaten on the next turn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount of random swinginess that this game has for a six hour plus game is beyond ridiculous. If this sort of thing happened in a 90 minute game, I wouldn't be too fussed because 90 minutes you're done and it would create some haha moments. I'm not going ha 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 when my entire force on the board gets eaten by a worm by random chance. You can't defend against it. It just happens. That is not good game design. That is crap game design. I am sorry I'm not giving that one any passes. Yeah, and there's other examples. Like I say, the Lasgun shield combo. As soon as somebody puts a single dude in your place, you know you're about to get nuclear explosioned. Can you defend against it? Only if you are the Ben Gesserit and you know it's coming. You know, you can say, right, you can't play a Lasgun. It's a weird voice ability they have, which is a decent ability, but that's probably the only good thing about the Ben Gesserit. So it's ah, uh, so most factions can't even defend against it. I mean, in the start of the game, it just like literally the Emperor just appeared and went, boom, you're all dead. And then later on in the game, Atreides had all their stuff in one stronghold, and then suddenly, poof, you're dead. You can't defend against it. Have fun. Stupid design. Stupid, stupid, stupid. So, and let's say uh, people got knocked out. So, like, the last couple of turns, two players, the Fremen and the Harkonnen, could do nothing. They had no way to win the game. They were effectively knocked out. They weren't in an alliance with anybody who had a stand the chance of winning. So, what did they get to do? Nothing. If they try to go after anyone, they kingmake. So it's got bad king-making issues, it's got pseudo-knockout problems, it's got bouts of random swinginess, it's got way unbalanced factions, I think. I mean, some of these factions are much easier to play with than others. I'm not saying that the Ben Gesserit cannot be won with, you know, some people have done it, but 
to play them and Atreides, you've got to do some weird stuff to get them to work. Whereas someone like the Emperor and the Spacing Guild pretty much just sits there, collects money from everybody doing other bits of the game. So they never have to go out and get spice. Never. Because they can just simply sit there and go, right, you buying cards? Money, 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 money. I'll spend it on doing stuff. Spacing Guild. Oh, you're shipping to the planet. Money, 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 money. I'll do stuff. Ben Jessera. You get two every round. How do I get more money? Go get spice. Okay, I'll get my one dude over there. Oh, well, somebody else is coming around. You want to fight with your one dude? You're going to flip it to an advisor. Guess I'll flip it to an advisor then. It's, it's stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. So I'm ragging on this game a lot. And frankly, I think it deserves it. But I know there's a bunch of Dune fans who are going to have me like head on, a, head on a pike for saying this stuff. You know, I'm still interested in the Dune lore. I want to watch the movie. The movie looks fun. Although it is stuck in the desert, it's going to look pretty muted and bland in terms of its color palette. So I am worried that it's going to be an ugly film, despite maybe being a fun film. But I'm worried it's also not going to teach me anything about the law, because it's either going to pile it on in exposition, or it's going to make assumptions that everybody who watches the film has read the book. It's like, no, I'm coming into this as a complete noob. I demand that the movie tell me what's going on. Explain what these factions are all about and what this universe works. So... Hopefully, you know, and I was interested in learning more in this game. I, I was asking my friends who had read, a couple of them had read the books or were reading the books. A couple of them had watched the old films. Uh, two people who taught us this game, you know, bless their hearts. They love this game. They, they think it's amazing. And, you know, they were teaching me snippets about the Dune lore. Great. I was interested. And it's not that I didn't have any enjoyment. I was with good company. I always enjoy fun company with mates. There were some stories in this game, like the destruction of the shield wall and a couple of the lasgun things that were funny. You know, they were funny and they happened. Although, to be fair, it's funny when it happens to someone else, not necessarily to you. So <laughs> there is that problem. But I just, I just don't think that this is a good, well-designed game. I think this is dated. It's been re-implemented in this nice-looking new version by Gale Force 9, so credit to them. But I think the rules being kept mostly the same. I, I don't know how much changed from the really old version, but I just think that it's dated. The mechanics are something that I am not surprised existed in a game made in, like, what was it, like 1970s or something? I mean, will it tell me? Uh, it's probably going to tell me this is a 2000-something game because of the re-implementation. Yeah, 2019, but it re-implemented Dune, which was originally made in 1979. Yeah, um, and I don't know how much changed, but this is clearly a game that was made in 1979. Not to say that there's nothing good about it. You know, I do think that that negotiation stuff is fun, but it drags the game out to six hours because everybody's making alliances and going off and talking with each other in private. And that's like, you could spend like half an hour on one Nexus phase while people discuss plans. It's like, can we get on with the game? I mean, I'm not in an alliance here. I'm sitting here with nothing to use, waiting for people to hurry up and do their, um, their plans. It's just, oh, I don't know. But it's clearly dated. So I wasn't a fan. I, I'm giving it, a, I've given it a three out of 10. Maybe I could make it a four out of 10. I mean, using their scale, it's bad, likely won't play this again. I do think the game is bad. I probably am not going to play this again. You could convince me maybe to play it with friends only. And that's assuming I choose a better faction, but also... I can be told that it's not going to take six hours. I mean, it says 120 minutes here. 
no way is this 120 minutes. And who's playing this with two players anyway? People play this with six players. You will not get a six player game done in 120 minutes. It is physically impossible. Stop lying on the backs. In fact, 3.95 doesn't even sound like the right complexity rating for this either, because, I mean, it's complex in the sense that the rules are convoluted as hell, and you've got so many exceptions to the rule, depending on what faction's going on, it is a little bit of a smorgasbord of rules FAQ issues. You know, we had to constantly stop the game for FAQ moments. I'm not even convinced we played every single one of them right, and I got the rule wrong about paying for people, because I didn't realise you had to pay for people putting in combat. I didn't hear the rule when it was being explained, and other people have got exceptions to that rule, so I never saw anybody physically pay for people, so I thought it never occurred to me that it was in the game. I don't know. It, like I say, I got enough problems with this. I don't want to ramble on too long. I am more interested in two versions of Dune. Firstly, Portal, that are doing the uh, House Stories game, the one based on the Detective series. They're doing one on the Dune universe, based on the, like, the new movie and that. That I'm interested in because that sounds like a good, fun storytelling adventure game with the Dune universe. Definitely up for that. But I'm more interested in what Gale Force 9 are doing later this year. Now, I don't know if it's on, on Board Game Geek yet because it hasn't been made. But let me type in Dune and see what comes up. Dune, uh, Imperium, Dune, uh, Imperium, Vice Harvest, Dune, House Secrets. That's the portal. What? Here we go. This is the one I'm interested in. Well, and House Secrets. But... Here we go. Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy. 2021. It's coming out later this year, in fact. And this is from Gale Force 9. So this is essentially another, you know, Dune game. But it's obviously going to use the new universe and that. And it says, I think it says re-implements Dune. Yep. So this is going to be another re-implementation of that Dune game. But here we go. It says, fast-paced, streamlined version of the classic Dune game. So this one caps at four players. Has a variant that works well with two. 20 to 60 minutes. I'll be the judge of whether this can be played in 20 to 60 minutes, thank you very much. But I'm totally down for a shorter version of this game. I'm probably going to bet it's going to be more two hours. But two hours is perfectly fine with me. Right? And uh, here we go. So this takes... Uh, here we go. Dude, builds on 40 years of development, refinement, and evolution from the original classic game. Same DNA, same flavor, all that lot, with new game board design, more spice, new streamlined rules, and a new market deck from which you can purchase game advantages. A brand new two-player mode that opens up new gaming opportunities, as well as making the game more accessible for casual gamers. Um, you can... It caps at four players. You can do Atreides, Harkonnen, Fremen, and Imperium. Okay, so you lose the Spacing Guild, and you lose the Ben Gesserit. Well, I'm not exactly going to lose any uh, sleep over losing the Ben Gesserit, put it that way. But ship your forces to Dune, get spice, seize control of strongholds, destroy your enemies, and where has it got? Multiple phases, uh, spice phase, and all that lot. Sandworm attacks. Uh, here we go. Four battle cards, can purchase market cards, shipping and movement. You take turns adding forces to the board. Uh, each player faction has specific powers in that. Game plays three to five rounds, so not ten. Um, starting on round three, the game can end if a player occupies three strongholds. Uh, if no one at the end of round five has it, then the player with the most spice wins. And so this is building on the Dune game, but it's going to be shorter and more action-packed. And it looks gorgeous. You know, the, the boards there, you know, I like that board. I like the cards. I think this one is going to be a good, well-produced, fun-looking game. 
Will it be as good as the original Dune? I bet you this one is going to get hated beyond belief by the Dune fans. You know, I think the fans of the original Dune are going to go ape over this and say that this is a travesty that this has even been put into production. Whereas I'm going to look at this game and go, okay, didn't have the best of experiences with the big version of Dune. Will this one, with modern board game design, streamlining, and, you know, some thought about those stupid bouts of randomness and things like that, improve the game for me? We shall see, hopefully, and also being tied into the movie might mean I'll be able to get connected with it in a more thematic nature as well. So we shall see how that goes. But I'm interested to see how this one turns out. I don't expect to be playing the other Dune one anytime soon. Ooh, wow. That was a bit of a rant. <laughs> I apologize if you are a Dune fan and you think I've hated on your favorite game here, but uh, as I say, different strokes for different folks. And wow, I've already gone on the 50 minutes. Okay, so this isn't that short an episode, but uh, yeah, that is my first impressions of a mega game, basically. A 67-hour game is a mega game for me. So that's essentially what I'm classing Dune as. I don't care what it says on the BGG list. But yeah, so no major topic, just me talking about games and weird conventions and stuff I'm doing. But I better cut this episode now and get on with other things. You know, time is running out for the day. And obviously I got stuff to do and things to record. So uh, that's it for me. I will probably see some of you at Essen. If you do see me at Essen, say hi, shake my hand, give me a hug. I'm totally down for hugs. You know, I don't, whatever the mask stuff happens, you know, the precautions and that happen to be. If you want to hug me, you can hug me, all right? Because I will hug back. Uh, but yeah, say hi, let me know, you know, let me know what you think of the channel, let me know how you're getting on at Essen, what game you found, give me some recommendations, you know, have you tried this game at this hall, because it's a big place, I'm going to miss stuff, so by all means, come and say hi, I'll be on the portal booth helping them out for Saturday, the rest of the convention I'll be dotted around the place, but Thursday and Friday will probably be the best times you can get me, um, if you're going to Paul Grogan's Fitzpatrick meetup, I will see you on the Thursday evening, so by all means, uh, come and say hi, well, I'll probably say hi to all of you there, and yeah, I'm excited for Essen, but not as excited for the, uh, tube down my throat thing my throat has been acting up as i've been doing this podcast because the more i do this talking the more the acid refluxes kick in and i suppose the coffee was not helping but oh well like i say needs must i need it to get through the day so without further ado let's sign off take care let me know in the comments what you think remember to leave a like and a comment on the video it means the world to me to know you appreciate the content don't forget the channel is unofficially sponsored by zatu.co.uk and of course Remember, as always, no matter how much I could rant about certain games, whether I love them or hate them, it's still, at the end of the day, only a game. Take care, bye for now, love you all, and I'll see you soon.